Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. And today we are going to be talking about Kriya Yoga, what it is, and what does the practice of Kriya Yoga involve, along with other frequently asked questions. I'm joined today by the founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is a Western woman who teaches the riches of Indian philosophy in a fully accessible and inspiring way for newcomers and longtime practitioners alike. Ordained by Roy Jean Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, she has been teaching Kriya Yoga philosophy and practice and leading meditation retreats for more than four decades. On her author website, ellengraceobrien.com, she offers many online learning programs. You'll also find many inspirational blog posts and other resources for your study. Yogacharya O'Brien is also an author and a poet and has published several books, including Living the Eternal Way, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga, and her latest book of poetry, The Moon Reminded Me. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm really delighted you could join me today. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo. It's really a pleasure um, to be with you, to see you, and just have the time to have this deep conversation. And uh, hello to all of the listeners and subscribers of Yoga Hour, and my thanks to the Yoga Hour production team also. Before we begin our dialogue about frequently asked questions about Kriya Yoga, Let's start with a yoga moment. Let's start by bringing ourselves fully present in the here and now. Oh. So let's start by letting go of any concerns about what may have happened earlier today what we may have planned for later today, and just being here right now. And beginning that by feeling our bodies in space, whatever we're doing, whether we're sitting or standing, walking, just feeling our bodies and feeling in particular the surfaces that support our weight. And now let's turn our attention to the breath and just notice as we take a fully conscious breath, the next inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling the warm air as it flows out. And then just continuing to be present and to notice our breath. Here's something to contemplate. From Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda and Yogacharya O'Brien's teacher. Behind the veil of nature is a reality which is permanently unchanging, just as at the core of our being, we are forever changeless, 
<clears throat> While living in the realm of nature, the yogi is not obsessively or blindly attached to any external thing or relationship, not even his or her thoughts or feelings, which are obviously constantly changing. Even before self-realization occurs, yogis should use their power of discernment to perceive the difference between their essence of being and what they observe. They will then be aware of being other than a body, which was born and other than a mind, which processes information derived from perceptions. They will then be aware of being other than a body, which was born and other than a mind, which processes information derived from perceptions. Oh. Once again, Yogacharya O'Brien, welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Yeah. I'm really delighted when you join me on the show so that we can take a deeper dive into yoga. And today in particular, we're going to discuss some basic questions about Kriya Yoga. When I talk about this spiritual path of Kriya Yoga that is taught at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, lots of times people have questions. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda brought these Kriya Yoga teachings to the United States from India in 1920, of course, as you know. And then he taught his many disciples and students, and one of them was Ray Jean Davis, your teacher. And now you are continuing in that tradition, <clears throat> in that lineage, um, and teaching these same um, principles, uh, you know, nationally and internationally. So maybe let's start just with the basics. How do you define Kriya Yoga? Thank you. And again, thank you for the opportunity for this conversation. Um, <clears throat> I was so moved by the quote that you read in the moment of contemplation. Uh, just, I just felt so transported to being physically and spiritually with my teacher and his radiant clarity, you know, his consciousness, his awareness of the teachings and his intentionality with how he taught. And so, you know, as we turn our attention in this conversation to what is Kriya Yoga, I would say, you know, go back to what you just offered from him, because, you know, I would simply define it as a path of self and God realization. And in that quote that you pointed to, you know, he's describing in a sense how that occurs. You know, you, you begin to make the distinction between the physical body and the transient nature of thought activity, the mental field, and realize that you are that changeless, boundless, infinite birthless, deathless being, you know, that's self-realization. So Kriya Yoga is really a, a, a universal spiritual path for self and God realization. Mm -hmm. uh, I, that's a great, uh, good and broad, you know, definition. And I wanted to ask you next about the, um, something that confuses a lot of people, which is, is Kriya Yoga a religion in particular? Is, is yoga Hindu? Um, how is 
Kriya Yoga or yoga related to Hinduism? Yeah, those are big questions and important questions. And, and, and in a way, they're debated all the time. So, you know, there are different viewpoints about that. But um, I would say, you know, given my uh, tradition and my experience that, you know, Kriya Yoga is not a religion. You know, it is a spiritual path. Um, and as I mentioned, a, a universal way. So people from any religion can practice Kriya Yoga. Um, is it Hindu or related to Hinduism? It is not um, quote unquote Hindu because it is universal and open to people of all religions. However, um, it, it flows from the same stream that gave rise to Hinduism and Buddhism for that matter. So there is that relationship between yoga and Hinduism that come from, you know, the Vedic teachings and, you know, yoga is a system of Indian philosophy. So, um, Yes, they are related, but are they the same? No, um, not in my uh, opinion. And that's not the way that it was taught, you know, when Paramahansaji brought it here. But of course, he was a Hindu. So it's a very interesting topic. Um, and, you know, some years ago, I had the privilege of uh, facilitating uh, a forum at the Parliament of the World's Religions that was discussing that very question, you know, is yoga yoga in the generic sense is yoga Hindu. And there was a panel of scholars and practitioners and they all had uh, slightly different answers to that question. Some said absolutely not. Um, and some scholars gave you know, information about yoga uh, being in different religious traditions, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, in particular, the Dharmic traditions. Um, but also now, of course, we have yoga in, in Christianity, in Judaism, and so on. Um, but then also we had a Swami on the panel that said, you know, um, you know here's, the, here's the flower of, of yoga, you know, here's the root in the Vedas, which, you know, we term as Hinduism, as Sanatana Dharma. So um, I don't think I answered your question, but I answered it by saying, um, it, it depends, you know, on who is uh, responding to the question. But I, you know, I feel it is important for those, particularly in the West um, and from different traditions who are practicing yoga today, regardless of what form it is of yoga, that they understand the origin of the teachings, even though they are universal in nature, meaning that this is a revelation in consciousness that came through human beings and that so that it's 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 universal you know it belongs to all humanity you know like the stars and the air however this revelation came to rishi sages in india you know connected to the vedic uh, teachings and direct experience of brahman our ultimate reality so it's really important to acknowledge that origin mm -hmm. and um, not to somehow think well you know yoga is disconnected from that it's not right no i i think that uh well 
all the everything you said, I think was so important in terms of the fact that this is a, a question that is still discussed. It's interesting to me that it was a it was a panel discussion at the parliament mm-hmm. um, and that this came up as a topic. To me, maybe that, you know, the uh, interesting or more relevant question is if one practices as an active, you know, practitioner of a certain religion, such as Christianity or Judaism, can they still practice Kriya Yoga? And, you know, what, what, um, what do you think is the, you know, is, uh, what do you think Kriya Yoga brings uh, to, to that? I think practiced uh, correctly, Kriya Yoga pretty much predictably brings uh, spiritual awakening. So again, this question of, you know, if you're a practitioner of a particular religion, can you still practice Kriya and benefit from it? Um, I would say in the same way with the last question, the answer is also, it depends. <laughs> and, you know, and why would I say that? Well, because, um, Kriya Yoga is a um, a universal um, experience of the common root of our divinity, mm. you know, of our spiritual nature. And of course, you know, those of us on the path of Kriya Yoga think that is, you know, a wonderful thing and the gurus the masters of our tradition were keen on helping people um, move out of sectarianism giving rise to religious um, you know my teacher called it small-mindedness you know but also that which gives rise to wars, you know, uh, over arguments over the nature of God, you know, so the Kriya Yogi said, you know, well, get the direct experience of this and get out from the walls of sectarianism, so that you know, there's one reality, it's called by many names, but there's only one. And that which we worship is, you know, that ultimate reality that can't be confined to any tradition, it can't be put into words, can't be contained. Um, So what I meant by it depends is that if a person um, is on, uh, in a religion uh, at a point in that religion where they can open to the mystical um, direct experience of reality, then yes, they're absolutely going to benefit from Kriya Yoga. But if a person is on what I would call the other end of the spectrum, if they're in a more traditional confined you know, to their tradition, you know, my way um, of approaching God is the only way, is the right way, then then they wouldn't have the openness of heart and mind um, to be interested in Kriya Yoga or to benefit from it. So my response of it depends, you know, it depends on the quality of openness that the person has in their tradition. So that said, you know, many, many people um, have that quality of openness today. And uh, in our center um, and our affiliate centers, um, we, we find people coming um, from various religious traditions 
um, to learn how to meditate, to learn how what these universal principles of spiritual living are in accordance with Kriya Yoga. And they find it enhances their religious devotion because they, um, they're waking up spiritually. And as they wake up spiritually, then they come back to their tradition with more devotion and fervor and deeper understanding. So I've seen that many, many times um, for, for Muslims, for Jews, for Christians, uh, even Buddhists who have a you know close affiliation with the teachings of yoga. Hmm. How did you come? to find this path of Kriya Yoga and why, what attracted you to it? Why did it resonate for you? Um, it was God's grace for sure. <laughs> um, I think it was also my um, karma, um, you know, my destiny, you know, to find my teacher. Um, you know, I wasn't raised in a religious tradition, so I didn't, I didn't have anything to overcome in terms of what had been, um, how I had been conditioned. However, I did have um, a huge sense of something very profound missing in my life, you know, that I was looking for. So, you know, when parents don't educate their children spiritually or religiously, there's that kind of double-edged sword. Um, so I had that and um, I had such a strong yearning, uh, spiritual yearning, even as a child. Um, and so I went, I shopped around, you know, different religions on my own as a little kid. I was, it was funny to me now that I look back. Um, but, and so what I found um, through my multicultural, multi-religious um, shopping was that God was everywhere. I knew that. And so then I needed to find a path that could show me how to find God where I was, you know, in my own heart and my own soul. Um, and in a way that didn't denigrate, uh, you know, one religion over another, because I already knew that was a worthless pursuit. Yeah. Yeah. Um that sense of something missing is, um, is a profound one, you know, for me. And I certainly felt that, you know, when I um, first was looking around, I'd moved to San Jose and, and eventually found the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment to my everlasting benefit. Um, it, it's, a, it's a place that a lot of, a lot of people um, you know, come to that sense of something missing. And I, I agree with you that, the, that the, open, the openness of the doors, the openness of, um, you know, not denigrating any spiritual traditions is one of the things that I really appreciate about, about this uh, path of Kriya Yoga. Another thing I appreciate is um, that they are called, and I was originally, uh, my reading was uh, first in uh, Paramahansa Yogananda referred to them as scientific. And of course, as a scientist myself, that was an interesting word, an interesting description that these, uh, that this path of Kriya Yoga is a scientific path. What does that mean to you to say that these teachings are, are scientific? You know, I mean, several things when I, you know, I often think of the scientific method, you know, where there's a step-by-step -step analysis and then there is a repeatable um, outcome, 
to mm -hmm. that, um, those given steps. And I often think that that's primarily what's referred to because uh, Kriya Yoga as taught by Paramahansa Yogananda um, has a, an efficacy to it that, you know, you can follow these techniques and you will experience these things. Mm -hmm. And um, that is true. And there are, uh, you know, that it, that it clarifies the mental field and that you are able to meditate, you know, more deeply, you're able to um, have that experience that, you know, my teacher, Roy Eugene Davis, you quoted him in the beginning of saying, you know, you, you begin to see, um, you begin to make that distinction as your discernment is clarified between the physical body um, and what you are between the mental field and what you are. So um, there is an approach to that in Kriya Yoga that um, it makes that accessible to people. And also the teachings uh, about, um, you know, experiences of samadhi, you know, of super consciousness that come out of the direct experience of the rishis um, through the Vedic tradition, um, as a practitioner, you can study and you can study also with your guru and then you, you can track in your own direct experience. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that there's a step-by-step -step method, um, some call that Raja yoga, but it is, you know, also the tenets of Kriya yoga. Um, and the fact that the results are um, revealed and they're predictable. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think those things, and now, of course, we have the benefits of um, instrumentation that uh, <laughs> on the physical level, you know, that the Rishis didn't have. I mean, they saw it on the spiritual level, which is the most valuable, you know, but now we have ways of measuring brain activity um, that that show us, in a sense, the scientific nature of what Paramahansa Yogananda was talking about. And so we think that's just quite marvelous, you know, but he knew and uh, the, the sages that he learned from, uh, of course, knew that uh, as well. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he said, you know, that the, the spine and the brain are the altar of God, you know, mm -hmm. he would say it very poetically, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I think about the scientific, the idea of uh, Kriya Yoga as a scientific approach, um, I, I totally appreciate what you were saying that there is a um, a step by step approach that has a that has a predictable um, outcome. Mm -hmm. And to me, part of it is also pointing to that I don't just have to have faith in somebody else's report that I get to have my own experience of these, you know, I can read about it, I can read about, for example, states of consciousness, but then I, you know, meditate, and I can actually experience those, you know, same things, as you were saying, kind of, you know, in a reliable way, but I don't have to take someone else's word for it, that I can do it, it's in my own, the, the lab of my own consciousness, that I can experience these things. Yes, thank you. That's really a critical piece of it. And actually, it was one of the things that attracted me because, of course, in my young exploration, you know, even up through college of various paths and, and traditions, um, I, I didn't, you know, my father was agnostic and he was really a very strong 
personality in my life, very formative of my consciousness. And um, he, he was kind of a no nonsense guy and he didn't, you know, he, he was the show me, you know, type of personality. And so I think I had that also. And I didn't like uh, when I was told that, you know, you should just believe um, what you uh, read or what someone tells you, you know, I wanted to know it for myself. And um, so that is a critical element. And it's taught as a critical element of this path that, you know, one should not, although faith is an important element, you have to have an openness um, in order to experience it. They're tied together. However, direct experience is considered uh, an essential component to this path. Mm -hmm. And so I felt that I could prove it uh, to myself. So you, you read about something and then you have an experience that, and then you're, and then you have the insight, oh, that's what they were talking about there. And so the study, as you're saying, and the faith definitely comes into it. Um, and that's not where it ends though. You know, it, it, as you're saying, you need to have, you need to have both. And with that, we've come to just the midpoint. As a reminder, I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the Yoga Hour podcast. And today I'm here with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, who teaches Kriya Yoga. She's the founder and spiritual director of this show, the Yoga Hour, as well as the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien's many books, teaching programs, and read her blog posts, watch her teaching videos at her author website, ellengraceobrien.com, and O'Brien is O-B-R-I-A-N, ellengraceobrien.com, and also at csecenter.org, csecenter.org. We'll have uh, both of these links on our website, theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us via that website, theyogahour.com, where you can also sign up for our mailing list. Yogacharya, <clears throat> one of the confusing things I think about Kriya Yoga is we can perhaps do a search for it on the internet and we can find many, many different ways of describing Kriya Yoga and many different teachers with different backgrounds and experiences. So let's start there. What would you describe as authentic Kriya Yoga? That's such a good question. And I, you know, I often, mm, I don't know, bristle, I guess, a little bit at, you know, the term authentic, or, you know, because it takes me back to, you know, that kind of um, positioning as, you know, we have the real truth here. Right. And, um, uh, Kriya Yoga doesn't position itself in that way. Um, right. However, it's useful to contemplate what that means. You know, what does authentic mean? And um, of course, you know, for me, and I imagine for others, if you're uh, dedicating your life and your energy um, to a path, you would want to feel and know that it's an authentic path you know not something made up or you know not not efficient so i thought well you know what does authentic mean <clears throat> and in the dictionary you know authentic means reliable it means it was something worthy of our uh trust or our belief and it also means having an un uh 
undisputed origin, something that is genuine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those components, I think, are important um, to exploring Kriya Yoga. They were for me, you know, um, what does this mean? Um, and where does it come from? Mm -hmm. And so part of <clears throat> being authentic in the yoga tradition is that you can trace the root of who you're studying with and what you're studying. So <clears throat> that yes, um, there is the direct experience that you have. So that's, that's part of what makes it authentic for you. You know, if nothing's happening, then, you know, you have no direct proof of it being authentic for you. So you're going to have some experience of it and that makes it authentic. But there is also the component then of, is it um, scripturally um, proven? And the reason for that, and the reason why that's important, meaning does it have a, a root in scriptural tradition um, through a lineage of those who have proven it? <laughs> I mean, somebody had to prove it out before you got, got it, right? And so you're looking to them and how they're describing the experience, and then you have your own experience. But also they were looking uh, in, in, into the scriptural root of it. And so here with Kriya Yoga, of course, there is the Vedic tradition and the Indian philosophical system, you know, the, the darshana of, of yoga, you know, from Sage Patanjali. The reason that scriptural verification is important is because what is at the heart and core of Kriya Yoga teaching is teaching of truth, of ultimate reality. So that is never going to be something new. <laughs> so, you know, that is not going to be something that just pops up tomorrow um, because it's an eternal principle that's being taught. And so with regard to that insight, we say an eternal principle is something that, you know, that has been taught you know, through the ages and doesn't, doesn't change. And so um, that's, that's, a, that's part of why um, one would want to ascertain, you know, whether a tradition is authentic, meaning, you know, worthy of your belief and um, has that stability uh, to it and can be proven out. We are in the age right now of startups. <clears throat> startups are a thing, right? But when I was looking for a spiritual path, I was not interested in a startup <laughs> and something totally new. It was important to me that it had a tradition, you know, behind it. And um, it was important to me that when I looked at the source material that we were studying in this case, um, at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment that most of the teachings are, of course, your writings, your teacher's writings, Yogananda's writings, but then, you know, the, the classical texts of Patanjali's Yoga Sutra and the Bhagavad Gita. And that's where, that's really where the teachings, you know, uh, uh, originate and come from. And, I, and that was important to me that I, that I found that and that it wasn't something that somebody just made up. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and and again, you know, the reason for that is um, has to do with what it is that's being taught, 
you know, a, a, you know, fundamentally what's being taught is this eternal nature of absolute reality. And um, while there are people who have, you know, spontaneous experiences of that, and, a, and we do have a lot of teachers today showing up on the planet, you know, teaching that they have some direct experience of absolute reality, and then they teach, you know, this is what you are. Um, but in the Kriya Yoga tradition, you know, we teach that, and then we also point back to the way it has been taught through the ages, because it's not uh, a novel uh, thing it's it's that which has always been and will always be mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as we mentioned the teachings of paramahansa yogananda are only one of the many yoga paths that are that refer to themselves as kriya yoga how does a student know which path is the right one for them well you have to, um, I think, use your discernment and when you come upon a path and, um, you know, look to see is what being taught, is what is being taught consistent with how the person lives who's teaching it. That's, that's always, you know, that's always a good thing to, to look at. Um, and, you know, for us as Kriya Yogis, you know, what is the root? Where did it come from? Um, and in terms of rightness for you, you know, as an individual, I can just speak from my own experience and say, you know, I knew, uh, I knew when I knew when I met my teacher, um, it, it was an experience for me, you know, it wasn't, uh, samadhi, it wasn't lights and bells and whistles and, um, it wasn't otherworldly, but it was uh, a very profound attunement connection, like a soul memory of what he taught and um, how I could experience the teachings directly in his presence. Mm -hmm. So I had read these teachings before. Um, but it was not the same as when I sat with him and heard him teach because it was a transmission of the teachings. Because the subject matter is beyond what you read in a book. So um, that's why, you know, we emphasize the importance of a teacher and a tradition um, because then you, you know, you experience it. And you, you know, at that point, when you're a new student, you haven't realized it you know you're not at a point where you're established in that knowing but you certainly can have the recognition you know and it may be something like oh that's it <laughs> you know i know that you know it's like a soul resonance a soul knowing that happens mm -hmm. and you know when that happens you know then uh, you know what i did and i think is a good advice for others is then you also bring in your discernment and you say, what is being taught? You know, who is teaching it? How is it being taught? You know, where does this come from? And then you, you know, take up the practice and see if you can validate it in your experience. So, um, you know, blindly following some teacher or tradition is not well advised. You know, there are people who, you know, 
fall off the spiritual cliff in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. So you always have to use your, uh, your heart and you always have to use your mind. You have to bring those together and those are important. So what am I experiencing? What am I learning? Um, is this working, you know, am, am I waking up? Mm-hmm. And if it's an authentic path, the, the answer to all, that is yes, you, you experience it, you know it. I love that, uh, bringing together the, you know, your sort of felt sense or your heart along with your discernment. And that certainly was the case for me. There was a sense of coming home when I first, you know, encountered uh, these Kriya Yoga teachings, when I first met you. Um, there was that sense of sort of, uh, I think you said a soul resonance that I had that sense. And that also we have to bring along our mind as well and our discernment, our keen discernment and and make the kind of, of assessments that you just talked about. I think that that is just really, really beautiful how it's both. You need both to really figure out if this is the place for you. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, a phenomenon that I think is is interesting, you know, as we watch how the teachings from the East have come to the West and how they're being taught and, you know, what people are looking for. Um, I remember um, a a devotee asking the wife of my guru, um, what is it like to live with him? (laughs) And she said, it's really ordinary. (laughs) And um, so there's that, you know, and it should be extraordinarily ordinary. So, you know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're looking for something quite exotic um, because we think that this spiritual enlightenment is foreign to us. And so, um, you know, we look for something different than Mm -hmm. us, but that's one of the problems, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Mm -hmm. because it, we we have to find it where we are. Mm -hmm. And thankfully there are more teachers arising in the West today, you know, who are, um, you know, for Western students, so that there's not that sense of um, the, what we're seeking being so different from what we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all the outer thing of it, but it's an important piece, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. No, that I, I do indeed. Um, as we've referred to already, this, uh, these Kriya Yoga teachings that you teach at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment um, are taught in the context of a lineage of gurus and disciples, because obviously the teachings are passed, you know, from teacher to student, from guru to disciple. And this particular lineage extends back through the centuries. Would you speak more about the significance of lineage in Kriya Yoga? There's so many things to say about that. Um, But, you know, uh, I think the primary thing of it that, you know, we've touched on several times in our conversation, um, which is that which we're 
yearning for, that which we're seeking to realize um, is beyond words and thoughts. It's not something that can be found in a book. It's not something you can accomplish through uh, work or activity. Um, and so it, it most often is found or discovered through direct transmission you know, from, from the consciousness of one who is established in that knowing um, to the seeking soul who already has that uh, divine um, infinite potential of the self unfolding um, so that, that when those two come together, there's the um, aha, you know, there's the experience that is transmitted in consciousness. It's not words, but it comes from the establishment of the guru or the teacher in that self-knowledge, in that knowing. So the teachings are, you know, they get talked about, they're pointers, they're a map, mm -hmm. um, but the, the destination is in consciousness. And so, you know, the teachings say that we receive knowledge of Brahman or um, the infinite from one who is established in the infinite. Mm -hmm. And so that's the critical piece of why lineage is important. Um, and then there are many other factors about it as well. Um, you know, because there are methods that are passed on in a lineage um, that help us um, then prove out that um, direct experience um, for ourselves. So in Kriya Yoga, you know, uh, and, and many people think of Kriya Yoga as taught by Paramahansaji as just a meditation technique, because when he writes about it in his autobiography of the Yogi, he really stresses the meditation technique, you know, this kind of pranayam that, of course, does still the mind um, and uh, allow us to um, experience higher states of consciousness. So um, it, when you have a lineage that has a technique that's been passed on, um, it, it, you receive that technique as it has been taught, you know, through the ages and more importantly, as it has been proven out by these masters, as they used it, found it efficient, they pass it on to you as it was learned from their teacher. So that's what we do. You know, the Kriya Yoga that I teach, um, I was taught by my teacher, Roy Eugene Davis, who was taught by Paramahansa Yogananda. So it's passed on, you know, in that way. And then the third thing I want to say about lineage is that it's a divine support you know, to, it's, you know, I, I think of them as my spiritual board of directors, you know, that, that guide my life, you know, they give me the principles to live by, and that are always, because the consciousness is eternal, um, it, it, cosmic mind is infinite, and so that divine support is always there, and so they, they become kind of access points um, to that uh, divine grace, you know, that's there that guiding uh, support. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what else? I guess there are examples, you know, you get to study their life and see how, how they lived. And of course, Parmansi Yogananda's autobiography is such a gift in that way, because you see how he was so dedicated, you know, to finding a guru 
you know, who could satisfy his heart's desire, even though he had Kriya Yoga before he found his guru. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that will tell you something about lineage and the importance of lineage. And of course, the hilarious thing that, you know, he's searching, he's searching, he's finally finds Sri Yukteswar, you know, it's this amazing scene that he, you know, describes in the Art of Biography Yogi. And then what does he do? He disregards the first thing that his, that his new teacher tells him to do, because it's not what he wants to do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we get to see ourselves mirrored in that, you know, time and time again in, in their, in their own lives. And it's true in the stories of the other, uh, gurus as well mm-hmm. mm. even amongst the lineage not, not even talking about other you know schools of kriya yoga but just even looking at sort of the path of the the gurus that um yogananda lays out in his book autobiography of a yogi so you know uh lahiri mahasaya sri yukteswar yogananda even among just those the 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 um uh, different streams that have come from those, there seem to be differences, you know, between those. So, you know, what, what do we do about that? How do we reconcile that? Uh, you know, it's all ice cream, you know, there's just many flavors, right? <laughs> and um, it's all sweet and, um, mm. and it's all good, you know, um, you know, Paramahansaji said, you know, there's room for everyone. And it's, and, and Lahiri Masha has said, you know, let Kriya Yoga waft, you know, like a fragrance in a natural way. And so you have to have the reality of spirit, the energy of divine grace in a tradition in order for it to be a living tradition. And so it is not possible to make it a cookie cutter kind of thing, like by the book, you know, and Christians talk about the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. And so there is a letter of the law in terms of Kriya practices and what they are. That's the philosophical core. And those don't change. Um, And so that's important, you know, when we talked about authentic tradition. So there are many um, streams of Kriya who teach uh, authentic Kriya, you know, they teach it the way it was given to them by their guru. But when you experience them or you look at them from the outside, um, they look different. And maybe, you know, the there is a different emphasis in, in terms of how they're talking about living the teachings. Um, and that's the spirit of the the kriya the way it is coming through that particular teacher at that particular time you know to meet the needs of those sadhakas of those students who come to that teacher a a teacher incarnates for that purpose you know so the teachings can be uh heard can be received so it's that it's that balance that you see um if you know a teacher tries to um teach exactly as their teacher taught, you know, in the last century, um, it's not going to be as efficient. It won't have the, it won't have the movement of the Holy Spirit, if you will. 
um, that comes through that person as they are inspired. So there's, there's bound to be those differences um, and they're important, but, they're, but the teaching itself, the philosophy, um, the way that the practices are taught, you know, remain the same. So in terms of approaching those differences, you know, it's a matter, that's a matter of heart. Um, you know, we, we were talking about earlier. So, you know, does your heart resonate with a teacher, with a, with a satsang? Is it your place? Are you learning? Is it opening your heart? Is it opening your mind? And then bringing in your discernment, you know, is this drawing from the lineage? Is this drawing from the root of the Vedic tradition? So those two come together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, I love the, it feels like it's a, it's a doorway and it's a really big doorway so that you can come through that doorway to this, you know, this path of, of Kriya Yoga. Um, and you can discern whether this is the right place for you and it doesn't make uh, our tradition doesn't make anybody else's path wrong in any way. I mean, it recognize you recognize that, you know, this is not the path for everyone and that there that's why there's so many of us, so many people. That's why we need so many paths, you know, to be able to get to the same place. Right. And ideally, um, Kriya yogis live their life in this spirit of the way that Paramahansaji himself taught, which is there's room for everyone. Um, and they don't become sectarian, uh, even in their Kriya Yoga um, satsangs, you know, like our form of Kriya Yoga is <laughs> the best Kriya Yoga. You know, that's just nonsense. You know, we're here for a very short time on this earth. And um, we need to dedicate ourselves to uh, self and God realization and not be distracted by, you know, trying to puff ourselves up or, you know, compare ourselves to others. We, we need to get on with it. And so that kind of sectarianism in the larger world between religions or between Kriya yogis is just nonsense and it shouldn't, it shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. We've only got a couple more minutes and I want to save a couple minutes at the end too um, about um, the, you know, words of inspiration or encouragement. But in the last few minutes, what is the significance of initiation into Kriya Yoga practices? Well, initiation is um, an essential piece of any mystical teaching tradition because it is a in a sense, uh, it provides a doorway into the numinous, you know, <clears throat> into um, spiritual experience, into that opening of transmission, which we talked about earlier. Um, and it's also uh, a way of mm, being established in the tradition. So initiation as it occurs um, at our center, you know, when I offer initiation to students, I'm offering it in the way that my teacher offered it, mm -hmm. and he's offering it in the way that Yogananda offered it to him. And so it's a part of, of stepping into the stream of that tradition. Um, and it also signifies, you know, that you're ready. Um, you're ready. You know, it's a, <clears throat> my teacher often talked about initiation being a new beginning. It signifies a readiness to take up the discipline. 
Um, so it's a beautiful thing, uh, initiation. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and with that, we're coming to the end of the program. We've got a couple more minutes. In closing, what words of inspiration or encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners? <laughs> well, there's there's two. Um, there's a there's some words from the the Buddhist tradition <clears throat> that I really I often think of with regard to the spiritual path, which is, you know. A life is short, don't waste your life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny when you think of it as a words of encouragement, <laughs> but, but it really is. And um, so, you know, Swami Sri Yukteswar said, living life easily, you know, playing and laughing is success, of course. You know, having a happy life is a successful life. But he said, but underneath all of it, one must remember not to cheat oneself. Mm. Above all, be true to thyself, meaning always remain authentic. Mm. And so, you know, that's the deep question of life. You know, what is my authentic self? What is my purpose? What am I here for? How can I realize it? and live in the highest way and not cheat myself, Mm. but live in a way that is worthy of my spiritual identity. Mm. Thank you for that. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. My guest today has been Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien at, at the websites ellengraceobrien.com and csecenter.org, where there are many resources that you can learn more about. You can learn more about books and online programs and lots of opportunities to study with Yogacharya. A link to those websites will also be posted on our website, theyogahour.com. Thank you so much, Yogacharya O'Brien, for joining me today on the podcast. Well, again, my pronouns, my bow to you, Dr. Trujillo, and to the Yoga Hour team for carrying on this work, really lifting up the light of yoga in the world that is so needed at this time. Thank you so much. And mm-hmm. thanks for listening um, to all the listeners. Mm-hmm. For listeners, we hope you'll join us for the many online programs offered by the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, which include daily online meditation starting at 6.30 in the morning. This is all Pacific time, so 6.30 to 7.30 in the morning, 4 to 4.30 p.m. in the afternoon, and Monday evenings at 7.30 p.m. There are also Sunday satsangs at 10 a.m. each week. Yogacharya O'Brien is currently offering a satsang series on the five elements. You can listen to the first four of those talks on the elements earth, water, fire, and air by going to Yogacharya O'Brien's author website, ellengraceobrien.com. This coming uh, Sunday, June 12th, she will be completing the series of the five elements talking about space, discover unbounded delight, the freedom of wholeness in her talk will be live streamed at 10 a.m. Pacific on csecenter.org. 
Join us next time on the Yoga Hour when I will be, uh, my guest will be author and yoga teacher Octavia Rahim. We will be discussing how being still helps us to build our inner resources in times of change. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember, if you're enjoying this show, subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts and think about sharing it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, assistant producers, Anne Hayes, Mickey Coronado, and Christine Sote. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Mm -hmm.